0: You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. All right, can we give our worship team a round of applause? Don't they do an incredible job every week? It's taken some time, but I'm finally getting them where I want them. I've worked real hard on training them and all the instruments and their vocals, and we're going to get there someday, but... um. I'm lying on Mother's Day. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> a, well, happy Mother's Day. Can we one more time give all the moms a round of applause? We love you guys. Uh, I'm sure Cody will announce it at the end of the service. We've got a special gift for you guys just to say that we love you and, and we're, we're proud of you we're thankful for you. So uh, glad to have you with us on Mother's Day. Let's one more time give all of our first-time guests a round of applause. Thanks for coming. I met a few guests already. Uh, glad you're here with us. My name's Braden. Uh, I'm the senior leader of Renew Life Church. We now live in Lubbock. We've got a campus in Lubbock. For those of you who don't know already, we've got a campus that we just moved to plant in Lubbock. Obviously, we have this church here who's coming up on eight years old, I think. August will be eight years old. So anyway, we're just glad you're here with us. We've got a special guest uh, with us about a year ago. um, I met Sean Foyt, and uh, we actually met on a hunting trip. Usually when we're talking, we talk about 10% about the Bible, 90% about hunting, if I'm just being really honest with you. So uh, we actually rallied around that to start with. But uh, one of the concepts of our ministry has always been that, you know, one, you don't exist to serve my vision. This church, this body of believers does not exist to serve my vision. I have vision to build the kingdom, so I am a visionary, but I don't ex- you don't exist to make my dreams come true. We're trying to build something where you make your dreams come true. God's placed things in you. There's gifts and talents and things in you. And, and, and the Bible's been very clear that we all know in part and prophesy in part, which means we all have a part to play. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a part. Um, One of the things that's so important to us is that when we meet people that we know carry something unique, carry something that we don't carry, uh, I find myself oftentimes inviting them and saying, hey, whatever it is that you have, just come and bring it. Uh, I met another guy in Fort Lauderdale this past week that just, man, there was just something he was carrying. And I said, hey, whatever it is that you're carrying, we need that in my church in Midland and and in Lubbock. So I've even got another guest speaker coming Uh, we're supposed to work out a date for him. But that's actually how I think all the time is I'm always looking for people that just, you just have something special. You have something unique. Uh, And if you've ever followed, or if you follow Sean on social media, uh, you'll know that he definitely has something special. The Let Us Worship movement and what it's done is absolutely incredible. And he's just one of those guys that I I told him this last night after our event in in, uh, Lubbock. I said, I just could not do what you do. I'm so thankful you are here because then I might have to do it, and it would not go well. So uh, we're just so honored to have him here. He doesn't even really do churches. This was kind of a, a friend one-off for me. So I said, hey, next time you're around, just come to my churches and pour into us. So uh, if you would, I won't take up any more of his time. If you would, just welcome Sean Foy.
1: Happy Mother's Day. Where's the moms out there? Come on, lift your hand up. Hey, throw a picture up there of my wife and someone take a picture of me showing her picture. Yeah. Come on, I'm ready, I'm pointing at her. This is my wife. <laughs> this is my wife, she's amazing. Yeah, I see that picture there. Just look at that, amazing. It's my four beautiful kids. We were, She was my high school sweetheart. And um, it's the most powerful world changer on the earth that I know is my wife, so. I miss her. She's amazing. Um, she got to sleep in this morning. That was literally her only request for Mother's Day. I I literally don't want anything. I just want to sleep. So I was able to grant that request um, and some other things. But, um, yeah, hey, if you're a mom, raise your hand. And I want you all to stand up for a minute because I, w- I don't want to pray over you guys. Um, you know, there's such a – our culture is so – Ugh, there's just such a gross thing coming against motherhood, coming against moms. It's like, uh, we found out this last week, um, the proper term now is birthing person. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Like, politicians are starting to say it, people are starting to say it, and it's just like the weirdest thing ever. But God's divine design said that Eve would crush the head of the serpent. Come on, I'm trying to get some West Texas people fired up. Crush the head of the serpent. And I'll I'll tell you one more quick little thing. This is not part of my message, but kind of is. John chapter 1, we see the only time in the Bible where someone can truly manipulate God, and that's a mom. And this is theologically sound, okay? Read it yourself. Jesus said, people were out of wine. They had no more wine. Probably not the dream Jesus envisioned to kick off his miracle ministry, right? Can you imagine? Like, they literally are the end of the party, and there's no more wine. Like, there's a lot better miracles that Jesus could have done to kick things off. And his mom comes to him and says, they're out of wine. Jesus goes, well, why are you looking at me? It's not my time. That's verbatim. Jesus told his mom, God told his mom, it's actually not my time. And his mom, this is my favorite part, because my mom is, she's a strong mom. She's, she doesn't play games, you know. Uh, Jesus' mom, Mary, said, oh, yeah? You said it's not your time? I'll tell you when it's your time. <laughs> Bring him the vats right now. And so you see, even God is moved by the belief of mom. Moms are powerful. Come on, can I get an Amen. <laughs> It's funny, it, people theologically are like, well, he actually knew his mom was going to do that. Well, then why did he say, it's not my time, mom? His mom actually changed his mind. Anyway, that's profound to me. But stretch your hand to the moms here. I want to pray for them. Lord, we just thank you for these moms. An incredible. Lord, we place immense value on them today. We thank you Lord for everything they do that's seen and that's unseen. And we pray today God you would release such a blessing and such a favor on their life. Lord, we pray God that the attacks of the enemy against them, against their families would diminish in the name of Jesus. And we thank you Lord that this is a year, this is an hour where moms are rising up across this nation and they are going to crush the head of the serpent because that is their calling and that is their destiny and that That is what you have designed them to do. We thank you, Lord, for all of the ways that they change our world every single day, and we value them and love them and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I want to just speed up really quick to the kind of the prophetic reason that I'm here. As Braden was saying, I don't really speak in churches. I haven't. This is one of my first times really ministering inside in a long time. I don't know if you followed our movement that was kick-started. Um, actually, the day after the governor um, of our state, real interesting guy, said we could not sing in church. And, you know, that flipped something off of me. It was the middle p- pandemic. Of course, California, very restricted. And, uh, and, and I was shocked at how many people were complying. And I had my friends that were uh, underground church pastors and leaders in China, in Indonesia, in uh, Iraq, in Iran, in North Korea, in places I've done ministry in for the last 20 years, and I've invested our time into. And I had them texting me saying, Sean, you're not going to listen to this guy, are you? haven't you learned anything from us? They said, you can never allow the government to tell you how to worship God. And something really ignited in my heart, and it wasn't really as much of a anti-government thing. It was just more of a, hey, listen, the church, we got to get our courage and boldness back. We got to stand for something, you know? And so... We started these, these meetings, they started, the Let Us Worship movement started on the Golden Gate Bridge. Out of all places, 400 people gathered. I threw up a post on Facebook, 400 people gathered. It was a miracle. Um, the police were actually so amazing. The San Francisco Police Department showed up, thought we were gonna like burn and riot some stuff. And then they saw us with guitars in our hands. And they were like, what? <laughs> and I said, we're here to pray. And they go, okay, we've been waiting for you to come. Because you came to the Golden Gate Bridge, we're going to block off traffic for one whole lane of the bridge just so you can worship and pray over our city. Isn't that amazing? Um, And so we've been really led from the Lord, but a a couple months ago, maybe two months ago, I had an encounter when I was praying in my room, and of course, we're we're, we're just, this is, uh, yesterday was our 86th city across America, and there's not a a city that really that we haven't gone to, a major city, a major place of destruction, violence, unrest, like the Lord sent us into all these places across America, and we've seen revival, and it, it's been phenomenal, but God really hijacked me, because I was praying in my, in my house, and he began to burden my heart for West Texas. I've never had that before, no offense, you know, but I, I just, I mean, I've watched Friday Night Lights and whatever, and, and all that kind of stuff, but... I've never been here that much. I haven't really, I don't know the prophetic history. I didn't really know a lot, but I just started to get this burden that the Lord was doing something in West Texas and that he wanted us to pour into a move of God. And so I began to pray and I began to connect with some of the few people that I knew. And obviously uh, Braden and I whacked some axis deer together. And so we had a kindred connection. And and I, and I really, and so La, what was it? A month, about a month and a half ago, we showed up in Lubbock. And uh, similar to last night, it was windy, although it was way more windy last night and dusty. And I was like, who lives here? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Um, but we had such a powerful move of God that took place. And I, I just got so messed up that day. I mean we had we had so many people from Gen Z run down to the altar, just give their life to Jesus. People that were abound in addiction, heaviness, people that were about to commit suicide got free. I mean, it wa it was such a powerful move, and I I, I was so moved, you know, because it was just on a prophetic word. I didn't know if anyone was going to come, you know, and, and then someone, that venue that we were at, Cook's Garage, they found out we were coming. They, it's normally 20000 30000 to rent it. They gave it to us for free, and the Lord really moved, and he started to speak to me about what he wants to do in West Texas, and so on the heels of this, we have already planned to be in Midland on June 6th. And we're going to be downtown in the convention center, and I would love for you guys to mark that date and bring people, bring the lost. We're just going to go for it. We're going to experience a move of God, and it's going to be powerful. Who wants to come to that with us? Okay, June 6th, mark it down. I think it starts at 4 p.m. inside in June, which is probably smarter. Um, I want to read... out of out of um, Matthew 16, um, I was in Corpus Christi, Texas, on Thursday, National Day of Prayer. Corpus Christi, the Body of Christ, and um, the Lord had me up all night before the National Day of Prayer. Uh, the The mayor of the of Corpus Christi and the sheriff um, invited me to a prayer breakfast and to host an event there. Which, you know, it was just, it was so funny for me uh, on this journey because we were in <laughs> California fighting, you know, for the right to worship. And then we went up to Portland and there were riots and we gathered 6,000 people in Portland. And then we went to Seattle and then, and then South Chicago and God was sending us to all these places. The first time we came to Texas, we came to Fort Worth and the police were, like, welcoming us in, providing support for us. The mayor was like, come into our city. We'll give you everything for free, and, you know. And I was like, God, man, why can't we just stay in Texas and do this? Why do we got to go to all these hard places, you know? Um, but uh, the Lord had me up on Thursday night um, writing an op-ed that ended up getting published uh, in, in several um news organizations and sites about this being a season where the church is discovering her identity again. And he was speaking to me about identity on the national day of prayer post COVID. And I want to just say this, I've been to 85 cities across America. I don't think you're going to meet anybody that's seen more than I have on the ground in places of conflict In places of strife, every place you can think of with conflict and strife, we've been there. In fact, there was a shooting in Elizabeth City, uh, North Carolina, uh, a a really bad shooting uh, that happened a few weeks ago. An unarmed guy was shot. The city reached out to let us worship. They said, hey, can you come? Can you bring racial reconciliation in the midst of our city right now? Because they're riding and burning. I mean, how many know when the city officials start turning to a worship movement? (laughs) Isn't that incredible? So we're going to be going there next month. Actually, right after we leave here, we're going to be headed to the East Coast. But um, the Lord was speaking to me, and and I had this vision, this scene that replayed in my mind um, from the movie The Lion King. Anybody seen The Lion King? Okay. All right. So my boys love it. You know, they, anything masculine, Where yeah, you know, I have three boys. They're crazy. Um, they uh, And I just got them cowboy hats the other day. So they're fired up. They got rope. They're all, they're all about it, you know. Um, but uh, there's a scene in The Lion King where, where Simba is, he, his dad dies. He's kind of run out of town. He's dejected. He's alone. He's confused. He's depressed. He's hopeless. He has no friends. He doesn't remember who he is. And then he walks in the wilderness past a puddle. And he looks in the puddle to see the reflection of what he thinks is going to be himself. Instead, he sees the reflection of his father. I really want you all to hear me. He sees the reflection of not a depressed, hopeless, forgotten, forsaken lion, he sees a reflection of his father a mature, full grown, scary lion. And the Lord was speaking to me about how we're coming into a season right now where the church is rediscovering her identity. The American church post-COVID is not going to look like it was pre-COVID. I got a few amens out of that. Okay. Now, Barner Research is suggesting that at the very maximum, we're going to see 60% of the church return post-COVID. That's just what they're saying. That would be the high mark. If we get 60% of the church to come back, people get in their routines. They get used to watching church on a screen, blah, 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 and whatever. I'm not even going to go into that. I have my own thoughts and opinions, but I really believe that God is using this season. I don't believe he caused it. I don't believe he was behind it. This is a demonic virus, and the fear of the virus is worse than the virus. And tyrannical Politicians grab control to seize control. I just saw something from Governor Inslee in uh, Washington. I'm not gonna get too political. I told Braden I wouldn't, but this guy was like, "Yeah, the church can come back to worship as long as everyone gets the vaccine." And so I tweeted at him. I was like, "Bro, we're coming your way, Seattle. <laughs> you ready? You know?" And, and 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 the enemy. You know, our our battle's not against political people. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. There's a spirit and powers and principalities that want their church to shut up and to fall in line and to be quiet and to not speak out on cultural issues and to stand down and to blend in. And I got news for you guys. This is a season where God is showing us the reflection of a full-grown lion and reminding us who we are. It's a season of harvest. It's a season of revival. It's a season where addictions are being broken. It's a season where things are being set free. This is not cute church days anymore. This is not cool church days. And I love it. You guys got a great worship team. I love the screens. Y'all are cool. But it's not about cool church anymore. It's not three fast and three slow. It's not punch your time card so you can feel better about it when you get to heaven as if God cares. It's time for the church to get her roar back. It's time for the church to get her fight back. It's time for us to be the transformation agent on the earth that the world desperately needs. And we see in Matthew 16, we see Jesus approaching Peter in Matthew 16. And he has this moment, and you guys are familiar with this, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, uh, Peter, Jesus asks him a question. And it's the one that he's asking the church right now, who do you say I am? Peter's like, uh, 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 uh. You know, he's been with Jesus for three years. Like, (laughs) anytime you read the disciples, just take courage in yourself. Like, they had so many stinking issues, and like, they saw things with their own eyes. <laughs> they saw the dead race, the blind, healed, the sick. They saw the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus is just asking them a simple question here Hey, Peter, you've seen a lot. So who do you say I am? And Peter automatically defaults to what everybody else says he is. Well, uh, uh, Jesus, I was like scrolling on Twitter, and this guy said that you were this. And then I turned on CNN, and they said you were this. And then I turned on Fox News, and they said you were this. And then I turned on, and Jesus is like, no, 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 that's not my question. Because at the end of the day, you're accountable to that response to one person. This is why I tell people like, like, In a season, in an era of cancel culture, you are uncancelable. Woo! You're excited about that. <laughs> in a season where the mob and the media and the, and the whatever the narratives wanna force you, force you into coming into agreement of their ideas of gender and their ideas of this and their ideas of that. And if you don't do it, you're done. We don't belong to those kingdoms. Come on, I'm preaching something to you all this. And so, so in Matthew 16, Jesus goes, no, no, I don't care about that. Tell me what you think about me. Because your revelation of who I am is what's going to unlock your identity of who you are. That's the only way we find identity. The self-help gospel doesn't work. Trying to look into yourself to become a better you, it doesn't work. Trying to find out what you, you know, it's like all these, it's like Gen Z and even millennials, it's like a deep dive self-absorbed culture into trying to find out who we are. I'm like, ain't nothing good in there. It's not good in there. And then you're going to go on a really hard, long journey of self-discovery when you can find out who you are right here. <laughs> it's very clear. And that's where the freedom is, right? So, so, so Peter, you know, he's battling doubt. He's battling all this stuff. And this is like before he ends up denying and, you know, all those things. Jesus is trying to remind him. And so he, he says, okay, you're right. Verse, uh, Chapter 16, verse 15. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter said, "You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God." You know, and all everyone in heaven is like, "Finally, Peter." Gosh. The angels are like, "Oh, we've been working overtime. Thank God he gets it, you know." And then Jesus responds and he says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood." In other words, you did not discover this revelation through other means. The only place that you can discover this revelation is from the Father. This is what Jesus tells him. Then he says, And I tell you this that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. That word church means ecclesia E K K L E S -S I A. Ecclesia in the Hebrew means ruling body government. This is why, like, the season of playing church and all that, like, that's over. Like, the season of us becoming the dream of God. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I was, we, you know, we, we were in Lubbock last night, and it was shocking to me, you know, it was 90 six degrees, 40 mile power winds. Again, I'm like, why do people live here? This is crazy. And we're up there trying to worship, you know, and, and, you know, I couldn't believe it. Like over almost a thousand people showed up, which was just blew my mind. I'm like, these, these West Texas people, they, they are ready to rumble, you know? And, 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 uh, and, and and so I was, and the power of God was there, and we saw miracles, and we, man, we saw amazing things. God did incredible things last night. And so I was leaving, and I was coming back, and I'm like, man, I can't believe we, oh, that was a, I can't believe this is amazing what God did. This is powerful, da, da. And then I look at my phone, and a pastor that I know, Pastor Pulowski, in Calgary, Canada, gets drugged out of his church in the middle of the street and handcuffed for having church services. In Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thrown into prison. And I was just looking at this image and I'm just thinking, yeah, we think we're hardcore. You know what, the thing about him is he grew up in communism, under communism. He's a Polish guy, he grew up in communism. And when we first started to, on this journey of, of worshiping in the midst of this craziness, I couldn't find like the, the people that I could find that would roll with me, they were all immigrants from other nations. Yeah. We wanted to go into Portland. I could not find a worship leader. I could not find people with gear. I could not find, I'm like, God's called us to do this and no, everyone's flaking out on me. When did we develop the theology of self-preservation? These are the places we're called to run to. I had pastors email me, how dare you invite people to worship down in the dark parts of our city? I was like, what? But then I met these crazy Russians. Man, the Slavics pulled up. They were like, let's rumble, you know? They said, Sean, we don't know you from anywhere, but you want to do this. And I said, well, why do you want to do this with me? And they said, because we refuse to allow this place to become like the place where we grew up. And so it took the bravery of the Russians and the Pacific Northwest birth the worship movement that's still continuing to this day. Thank God for those people. Amen. But in this verse, it says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is basically telling us, and I want to finish with this. He's basically telling Peter, your primary job description is binding and loosing. (laughs) Like, you're not a Christian club. It's not a feel-good meeting. Like, your primary reason of existing is you shift atmospheres wherever you go. Whatever you bind, whatever you come into agreement with, heaven comes into agreement with. This is why we can't just whine and complain when we have issues happening in our city or in our community. Like, yeah, we need to engage, you know, on a governmental level, but we got to engage in prayer. This is where things change. This is where things shift. And so he tells Peter, like... Hey, listen, don't forget it. I know you feel timid. I know you don't remember who you are, but you're a really big deal. Turn to someone and say, you're a really big deal. It feels good to hear that. Yeah. Jesus is telling him, you're powerful. You carry divine authority. Don't just sit back in this season. Step into the fullness of your calling. Remember who you are. Jesus died on the cross for a church that carries the power of the resurrected Son of God. To set the captives free, to bring transformation everywhere we go. And there's a season right now in America where the church is getting, I'm telling you, I'm seeing it. We are not praying for a revival, we are seeing a revival. And the hardest places are the ones that are the most lit. Across California in Los Angeles, we do something in Los Angeles, at least 5,000 people show up. The most restricted city in America, because the intensity of the season, the pressure that's come down has caused us to find who we really are. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to RenewLifeChurch.com.